da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Brian and I are in the house again in honor of our brother Richard uh, to bring you another bonus conversation. This uh, Oscar season is well underway. Lots of movies to see. Lots of things on every different platform just flying at you like crazy. And uh, so, so we like to do often more than one movie a week. We do definitely more than one in our VIP but on the main mm-hmm, feed, mm-hmm. sometimes uh, we've got to have more than one main feed episode a week. And so we'll have several of those in the next few weeks uh, doubling up on those. So yeah, big, big time of year for us. So, so the bonus lots review. Lots of extra content. Yeah, the bonus review for this week um, is a little Coen Brothers talk. It would, wouldn't mm. feel right. This did not get a theatrical release. So um, it, we're going to have a talk about that on what that will do to this. <laughs> but um, – so yeah, normally would we would definitely have that as the movie of the week, but it, since it wasn't out, and since Harry Potter came out, that took precedent uh, for our movie news portion and recommends and things like that. But we got to review the movie nonetheless. You know, the show yeah. must go on. This is the after Coen show. Coen Brothers can't make a movie without us talking about it. It's, yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Exactly. Um, okay, so this time around, we've got Joel and Ethan Cohen in mm-hmm. the picture. Wow, mm-hmm. the Coen brothers. <laughs> Joel and Ethan. Who would have? Whoa! <laughs> it's not Eton Cohen though. Ah, we we don't let he didn't favorite. get invited. Um, so yeah, uh, but it's interesting to see movies that both of them direct. Um, because usually it's it's one or the other. They were both kind of involved here, which is which is really fun. And uh, this is definitely a. This screams Coen Brothers. Uh, if you don't know what this movie is, uh, it's a little bit more than the title leads leads on. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, which I was uh, surprised and delighted at that fact. Actually, same, same here. And uh, once I realized where they were going, but this is available on Netflix. Uh, if you have a Netflix subscription, obviously you can watch it at any time. But if you do not have one, it's a good reason to uh, to sign up and check out the new Coen Brothers movie. Right. Because yeah. uh, you- I understand. Al- Alfonso Cuarón's movie is coming out on there as well later this year, yeah. and it's getting Roma. like mm-hmm. best picture shoe in kind of award uh, praise right now. So, uh, <laughs> right. so right. yeah. If you look don't to have that a Netflix and... subscription uh, and you do subscribe, use promo code Mad About Movies Podcast. It will not get you a discount, but it might let them know that we're a thing. Yeah. So hopefully, yeah. Well, people considering this. If you don't have a Netflix <laughs> subscription, what are you doing with your life? Let's just ask right. that. You're right. making the wrong choice. It's weird um, that you're listening to this this uh, episode. Episode. Don't Never heard of Netflix and have no huh. idea what this is. I'll go check, check it out. that out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, man, it's. Uh, I guess we can start off the conversation um, with kind of the release strategy stuff and and how much of a changing of the guard this feels for the Coen brothers who are staunch – uh, film is the superior <laughs> medium supporter kind of people, and uh, you know theatrical distribution is the the true art form, and I want this projected in thirty five millimeter and things like that. They're they're in that they've been in that camp for a long time. This is the first film that they've shot on digital, 
this is a this was rumored to be a HBO miniseries of some kind or some other kind of long form anthology. Uh, it instead was played out uh, essentially like the Twilight Zone or uh, you know seeing four episodes of Black Mirror back to back to back or something mm-hmm. like that or mm-hmm. an old an old western with with several different stories uh, inside of it. And it's and it's all told through the the guise or the the disguise of this novel, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, right? And uh, it's very coney. It's it's it seems like they have been planning this for a while, and they had written a lot of these stories over the past thirty years. You know, had a lot of these ideas and just kind of compiled all their all their crazy ideas that were all western themed, I guess, into one into one thing, mm-hmm. and. I gotta say, I was I was delighted by this movie. I love the Coen Brothers; they're my favorite directors. But nonetheless, I thought this was genius uh, in a lot of ways. I, I don't know which portion is my favorite yet. I, I like them all for for different reasons. I'm excited to talk about them all. But in terms of the the distribution, it it is it's very weird to see this. But to me, it represents like the inevitability of of this going to be a thing for a long time. And yeah, Spielberg and Tarantino are probably going to be the last ones that are going to go all in on it, but it's mm-hmm. already happening. And two of the most respected filmmakers in Hollywood are already going that route with, uh, with their movies. So yeah, sure. I, I'm sure there's going to be something about eligibility for Oscars. I think Roma and this are doing some, some limited screenings in LA and New York just to qualify yeah. it for awards uh, in some public way. And, um, and so that'll be, that'll be interesting if a Netflix movie wins best picture. It will be a it that will be the the official changing of the tides on mm-hmm. on uh, where things are going. But what are your thoughts on kind of the approach here and and the strategy? So I we've talked a lot this year about uh, the net the you know the the Netflix movie thing and the dumped on Netflix. It's amazing how poorly that started out this year with that Cloverfield movie right. and Mute. Remember Mute? Mute. Yeah. yeah, still is probably the worst. Ooh, movie I've that seen was this year. that was bad. Did we do Horrendous. a review for that? We did. You and I did. Um, yeah, that's. Oh, I don't. Cool. I don't remember that. Maybe it was for the VIP feed. Yeah, um, we we may have done that. But, yeah, you know. Hey, anytime you can make. I was like, I remember being very angry at that movie, but I don't remember yeah. when it was. So <laughs> it was on the show. So atrocious. I love um, that every negative thought we've ever had about a movie has been on this show, pretty much like <laughs> publicly aired. Yeah. I can't take any of it back. We, we well, hey, I didn't say every that. Negative and positive. That's, That's true. That's true. We're, and we're over. People like to to uh, focus on the negative for some reason. I don't know why. I know. No, no clue no. why. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fr- um, fraud and shoya. You like to see other people fail, you know? Right. But it is interesting that they the the year that they have had that Netflix has had with with movies with original content um, between that we started with those we had there were several rom coms that did actually quite well on Netflix and now they're kind of ending the year with this with uh, Chris Pine the Outlaw King which I watched uh, I don't know sometime last week and then they're going to finish up the year with Roma I like the mo- the model look I'm I'm a big proponent of having smaller movies especially or limited distribution movies available in home as soon as humanly possible because i think it sucks to advertise and put out a movie and then pretend like 95 percent of the country has no interest in seeing it and therefore we don't even need to let them see it i hate that i hate i hate limited distribution i hate 
um, the just like, well, this came out in New York, L.A., and for some reason, Minneapolis. Uh, but it's but going to be nominated for all the awards that you have yeah, to hear it's about, be and you can't for see all the it. Awards. Yeah. yeah, and you're not yeah. going to be able to see it for a month, and yeah. it, it makes me so I hate it. It's a stupid, antiquated business model that just needs to needs to be scrapped altogether. So I think Netflix. Um, I would be sh- Netflix is kind of running this at this point, like kind of showing the way of one of the, one of the methods that you could get around that or um, kind of supersede it if you want to. I hope that Amazon follows suit because Amazon Amazon has been making some really good movies over the last few years, and even their own original movies. Manchester by the Sea is a great example. That was an Amazon original movie, so it's funded or produced, whatever the produ- the huge part. The studio I've seen several Amazon Studios it. movies this yeah. year. Is, yeah, uh, is 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 Amazon, and that movie was not available on Amazon Prime until well after the Oscars. Wasn't That's it uh, eighth grade? Really Wasn't that an thing. Amazon thing? Maybe I can't remember. I'm not I'm looking sure. it up. But, I'm looking up the one we, are, we reviewed this year that was Amazon. Sure, but there are several. So do do that. Do that. Put those out there. So I'm a fan of this this model. Um, this feels more like a Netflix, like it belongs on Netflix more so than Outlocking did for sure. And you know, obviously, we don't know on Roma yet, but this this feels right. This fits with what Netflix is is doing. It's it's it feels like a movie or a really it feels like a TV show. So that's probably why it feels. Um, more Netflixian in its in its uh, cinematalities and in, in its uh, abilities. I will say this: one thing that Netflix is going to have to figure out we've we've put they've put so much stock into uh, the their original programming and buying movies that uh, you know the, the Cloverfield thing was very interesting earlier this year where they re- literally they bought a movie away from its uh, release date because it was going to get slaughtered at the box office and so it's kind of a a little bit of a win-win although i think netflix probably took a bath on what they actually paid for that like it was they really probably actually lost money but it's it's all about this content creation and and kind of pumping stuff out constantly and over and over again if they are going to continue with this model and i think they are and i think they should they need to i'm interested where you have if you if you feel the same way as me on this camp but they really need to also i think get more put more behind uh putting newer movies on the service because right now netflix to me is the place to go for uh tv shows for documentaries for um kind of limited run sort of stuff the movie aspect of netflix which is funny because that's what they started with was was movies yeah it's like we get six. Ne- yeah, you never go. Straight you never go watch movies, movies on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's it's so true. Six, six or seven straight to Netflix movies a year, and that's going to grow next year, and it's going to grow the year after that, and and then like, oh, by the way, like you can watch The Firm or something. There's mm-hmm. no real in between, and that I think if you want to change how people think about, if you want to make these movies mean more than just. Uh, and a you know a very brief blip on the buzz radar of like oh this movie's on Netflix I'll I'll watch it because I am at home and it is available to me and then these movies where you're getting some buzz because they're Oscar caliber type movies or at least hopefuls you know Roma and this and Outlaw King was I don't think it's going to but um, similar sort of thing if you really want to create an atmosphere where people use think of your service as a movie production 
company or a movie service or whatever, you need to be finding uh, – there's no reason why, for example, that Netflix should not be paying out to license something like Hearts Beat Loud or something like that mm-hmm. to put on Netflix. You should be able to – uh, go to Netflix to watch some of these smaller movies that got very very limited releases or no release or whatever. And in doing so, I think they could really create they could it could build build more than just like I said like a blip on the on the buzz radar and really do something more for them. So I think they need to. I really think they need to double down on that. Or otherwise, it's just I I feel like it's always going to be this kind of um. Six, seven times a year, we're going to get excited about something on Netflix, and we're going to talk about that movie, but we're not going to talk with as much credibility, I think, of their production company as a movie going. I don't know. It, it, mm-hmm. it seems like a it seems like a very easy straight line connection to me to say, well, we do these original movies, and we really want them to be taken seriously as movies and win awards and be. Um, and be credible and all this sort of stuff, but no one thinks of us as movies anymore. So what can we do to um, kind of bridge those that gap, bridge those two, two things mm-hmm. together? And that's – anyway, I'm, I'm long-winded there, but mm-hmm. I feel like this fits really well with what Netflix is doing. Outlaw King felt weird. Roma may feel weird. It's It's just a strange – it's strange to put so much time and effort and money into these – this thing, like this is the next thing we're doing while also kind of, not just kind of, really, really ignoring movies as a medium over the last like five years, you know. Did you see Okja last year? I didn't. I know that was a recommend from you at some point. I didn't get yeah. to see, I didn't have time to see it before uh, end of year and then. That was a really powerful movie that was sure. like Pete's Dragony kind of. Mm-hmm. Um Really good special effects, good moral and everything. And that was the first one that was like, Netflix can make some really good movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, They haven't had luck lately. You know that they bought the rights to Annihilation like right after the U.S. um, Yes, yeah. Right after the U.S. It came out in the U.S. And then they they put it out pretty much everywhere else, I think, on Netflix. Mm -hmm. So most people got to see Annihilation on Netflix, which I'm still thinking about that movie in, in some ways. Yeah, and Beast of No Nation. Beast of No Nation was one. Yeah, that was one that that they everyone thought should have been nominated, but it was on Netflix, and so mm-hmm. there was this big, you know, protest back then that that wasn't nominated at the time that it should have and could have been. So they've struck out. Uh, Amazon's had better luck with their movies actually than than Netflix has. You start with Manchester by the Sea, which was nominated. Won two Academy Awards, Best Screenplay and Best Actor uh, for mm-hmm. Casey Affleck. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, and Actress. Um, so that's their most successful one. But they also had that Patterson movie with Robert Pattinson that did pretty well. Right. Um, the Big Sick was an Amazon. They bought Huge. they bought yeah. it after the fact. I mean, they bought right. it at at Sundance, but sure. that's still sure. it's their it's their talent scouts going out and finding movies to to release. Um, they kind of struck out a little bit last year with Last Flag Flying, the Richard Linklater movie. Right. Um, I enjoyed the movie, but it, was, it wasn't a commercial success. And yeah. they had this year, they had You Were Never Really Here and Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, the uh, Gus Van Sant movie, and then the other Joaquin Phoenix movie. And mm-hmm. uh, this Gosh, year I- already <laughs> they've, had, they've had Beautiful Boy and Suspiria. 
but they have a Amazon has a Goldfinch movie coming out. Oh yeah, distributed yeah, yeah. by yeah. WB apparently, and that's a huge property. That movie will probably do very well if if mm-hmm. um, Ansel Elgort can bring it uh, in that. Sure. And Nicole Kidman, Sarah Paulson, Luke Wilson, Jeffrey Wright, who's great, is involved in mm-hmm. that. So, um, so yeah, I think there's hope in the future for streaming to get the credit that they deserve. Steven Spielberg has even said something like, "It's the death." I mean, it's like an insult to real filmmaking or something like that. Like that crazy. Like you can't mm-hmm. make a real film if it's on Netflix. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, and I'm I, pretty sure that everybody that's seen Roma, who's given it. A, a recommend so far has seen it via their TV or Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's they're not holding screenings in theaters for for that. Um, so I'm optimistic about the future. And yeah. this, and just to transition into a Buster Scruggs talk, this did nothing to discourage me from. If you hire good directors, they can make good movies. You know, mm-hmm. and and good <laughs> scripts, and just let them do their thing. I'm sure that's what the the Coen brothers love about working with Netflix on this was. They're probably – they're so rich. They're so insanely rich. I mean they spend a lot on content, but they're making billions a month in like uh, – in uh, subscriptions alone. So mm. – and so they they probably love the fact that you're like, OK, guys. Uh, so what do you guys want to do? They're like, oh, we <laughs> want to do this like weird Western anthology. It's going to – there's going to be a story about a prospector in there. There's going to be you know Comanches and – and uh, bank robbers and like, okay, cool, yeah, sounds great, sounds great. So, how much were you guys thinking? Uh, we can do it. It's gonna be six parts, uh, five parts, somewhere around there. Uh, we could probably do it for ninety million. That's it. <laughs> oh, sure. sure. You know, like they can get Netflix probably spends a hundred million easy on on Bright. You know, hundred and fifty oh, on that. So much. And money. when you know you're getting the Coen Brothers. Gosh, I um, forgot about Bright. Now I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> I oh, I can't forget Lord. Bright, unfortunately. Gosh. Um, instead of just doing that, like finding a script online, uh, you know, calling Will Smith, see if he's available, kind of thing. <laughs> um, you I know, so it's like this is kind of like Men in Black. What's Will Smith up to? <laughs> um, and yeah, it just feels so disingenuous. And this feels like Coen Brothers doing their thing and doing something mm-hmm. that they're very passionate about. And yeah. it's them at their absolute best in terms of writing. Um, it's them at their absolute best in terms of originality, in terms of composition uh, of shots, in terms of overall location scouting is unbelievable in this movie. Uh, the authenticity, the a- the actors that they chose, the diversity of the cast, everything mm-hmm. is, was top notch with this. But uh, so it's going to get my recommend. I thought, I mean, it's what you would expect from them. I wouldn't say it's their best movie yet. I mean, that's still to be determined. I always, right. Their movies tend to uh, be talked about more over time than they do in the moment. So I'll hold my judgment there, but this is exactly what you would want and expect from Coen Brothers. It's it's visceral. It's it's funny. It's emotional. It's um, heartbreaking, heartwarming. Uh, everything – that they can bring to the table, they do here in various different ways, and it's the most visually stunning movie that they've done. I'll say that it's the most special effects heavy movie that they've done, mm. and they were great at it. Uh, you know that scares you when you think of the Coen Brothers and you're adding CG and and fight scenes and things like that in because you wouldn't think they would know how to handle mm-hmm. themselves in that situation. You don't think about it that much uh, with them, 
or associate it, but this was stunning. It was like The Revenant or something with some of these scene <laughs> sequences, and I was like blown away at the realism and the authenticity, and still the entertainment value was really high. It wasn't just like, oh, we're living in the Old West, and this is just like a Saving Private Ryan for the Old West or something. It was, <laughs> it was funny, and uh, that's what you always kind of the number one thing, right, is, you, is they have a little bit of humor to pretty much yeah. everything they do. So, uh, so man, it hit, it hit all the marks for me. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I, I really liked it. I was not, I had no clue what this was. Um, I didn't know that it was, uh, anthology or st- whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. The, 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 uh, segments or there's a word that, uh, the kind of novella approach, um, mm. had no idea. And I'm, I'm glad I didn't know that going in. It, it made for a really we just don't we don't get surprised very often, you know, because we we've done this show for so long and we pay so much attention to uh, the movie news. We kind of have to. We have to pay attention to what's what's coming. We see all the trailers, all this for stuff. So like, I'd seen a trailer for this. Um, it's it's not clear in those, which is great. I'm super glad about that. But it's not clear in the trailers that this is a story's broken up over the course of two hours. You kind of think it's it's all one story. So I loved that approach. I'm. I think that the um, I'm a I'm a, a huge proponent of the anthology idea on TV, and this is a, and, and this is kind of a similar thing. Just I think you can do so much. As, like I love short stories too. I just think you can do so much in those mediums um, without running the risk of overexposing yourself or stretching or filling or anything like that. I love that. I love that approach. This was so it was fun. It was incredibly Coheny. You know, it's very every single one of these segments is just really <laughs> it's really them. It reminds me. I mean, uh, my big thing with the the Coens is I've always said is what I admire about them is they can do literally any kind of movie that they want. And it's always uh-huh. good. They can do a movie about 1992 Los Angeles or they can do a movie about 1950s. New York, uh, you know, 1960s uh-huh. New York during uh-huh. the, the musical revolution of the of America and all that, and it always they always put their touch on it. They did True Grit, you yeah. know, it's very different, yeah. and Tolerable Cruelty, and movies like that. Um, but but it just feels like this is a culmination of everything that they do well, and everything yeah. that they no, every totally. experience that they've had making films has been put into this. Mm-hmm. And I I really feel that I really feel like they made this. They've been waiting to do this for 25 years, and now's the time. They, yeah. We finally have the stories. We finally have the, the budget that we want and need, and this would be a hard sell to most studios. That's you know, Most big studios. I, yeah. to, to try no, to put totally this out, agree. they'll be like, it's, well, we, we have to. How the do you trailer, advertise this? The trailer yeah. has to have mm-hmm. uh, a tale of six parts or, you know, like, right. come on a right. journey through the Old West, you know, and they'd be like, no, we're going to trick people into thinking this is – Tim Blake Nelson for two and a half hours, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're gonna swerve job you within nine minutes. Is is like it's perfectly timed out as if you're a screenplay. You want to hit the hit the most important note right at ten minutes, right, right around, right? And they do like literally shoot the dude in the head within t- <laughs> the first ten minutes. You're like, oh, okay, this is where we're going, and and it uh, it's like you you think credits roll right there. It's like a pre-show or something, but then they never. Right. They right. never return to Buster Scruggs really in the yeah. the rest I mean, of the movie, right? Like we've you see we have seen this done a million times in in indie movies. I mean the, the Coens did a segment on uh, oh Paris uh, Jimate or whatever. It, like they 
that's you know this concept is not new it is it is not typically done here you know it's, 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 it's yeah a no it's not thing and and oh totally it's and not it's, and and it's acceptable for way. the wide American right. public, yeah, right. And it's done exactly. It's done that way because you can't sell it. You can't. There is not a way to advertise this, um, <laughs> you know, it, with trailers and 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 ads and whatnot that would allow it to make money ever. You know, there's just no, right. there's no way. You have to do it the way that they did it, and that's that's something that's great about Netflix is the. Um, you know the ability you can do move you can do things at Netflix and Amazon and HBO and whatnot that you cannot do at a major studio that you couldn't you can't do on NBC you can't do in any of these other mediums and that's you know I there's some there's some pros and cons to that for sure but I, but one of the big pros is the Coen brothers get to make a movie that they want to make and it's a it's incredibly Coen-y. it's it's I mean gosh it's it reeks of Coen Brothers, which is great. I look because I love the Coen Brothers, but this, it's so out there and it's so different from what we typically get in a movie that we go to the theater mm-hmm. to see. And that's you know, and Netflix provides a medium for that. That's awesome. That's a major pro for um, the value of of Netflix. But dude, I love this. I, I I had so much fun with it. Um, I loved the. The storytelling and the jumps and it, gosh, they're all so dark and they're all uh, the stories are hilarious. Just like exceptional, man! I'm, I was blown yeah. away yeah. at their storytelling ability. At like I said, how different the stories are, how they all have a different ending. It's they're not using the same tropes over and over again. They're heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. They're uh, let's just start at the top. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs really just, I think its whole <laughs> point was to be a swerve job. What you don't expect from Buster Scruggs, a Tim Blake Nelson type guy, he's rolling into town like Will Rogers, whistling and singing <laughs> songs. Yeah, and then he just does maybe the most badass kill <laughs> ever in cinema history. Yeah, it's so. And you're he like, goes, what? He's so happy go lucky. Yeah, think, you think it's gonna be well? This guy just thinks he's good, but he's actually freaking terrible at this. And then instead, no, he's actually. He's really good at murdering people. Yeah. It's so That was funny. so amazing. I rewound that twice. I was like, so that was funny. one of the coolest Gosh. twists I've seen. And then to twist <laughs> you again, he goes out, and there's immediately a standoff, an Old West standoff, right? And you've yeah. just seen this dude off a guy in the bar with his <laughs> the heel of his boot in a table. Um, and he immediately gets shot in the head, like, <laughs> instantly. Yeah. And you're like, wow. And then they do a weird animated song together at the end and then and yeah. it's like what is what are we watching and uh that that's as, that's honestly as weird as it gets they they get all that stuff out of the way uh all all the other stories um let's go with near agalodonis i guess that's how you pronounce it uh-huh. this is the one with james franco and he's the bank robber <laughs> yeah yeah that's this funny. one that's this well one done. felt this one felt the most um i don't know Tarantino y, uh, maybe. Sure. Felt a little. Yeah. It, it just. I, it was I, the I, it was the lowest point for me of the of the six. Oh, it's the shortest one for but, sure. Yeah. It, but it was I mean, fun, but the, it was the dialogue by I Stephen Root was just so, man, so uh, authentically delivered that I was like, only Quentin Tarantino would write this dialogue. <laughs> That's what I honestly felt like. Uh, watching his little speech there when he's getting held up at the bar, I mean at the bank by uh, by James Franco, 
But I love the bit, not bit, I love the sequence of him being tied up <laughs> on the horse alone, and then the Comanche attack happens around him. That's what I was talking about earlier when it's like, wow, that sequence was incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and how that whole thing ends, I mean, that this one ends on the worst note. You're right. It's just like, well, that, that, that thing ended pretty fast. <laughs> um, he gets saved from the... From the rope by a passerby, and um, gets free, but but immediately is arrested again by authorities, and gets hung, and he sees mm-hmm. a girl before he gets hung. That's it, and that's yeah. the end of the story. <laughs> but yeah. I think it exists for that one sequence. Of like, man, it'd be crazy to have a guy hung up, you know, hung up but not dead, sitting on a horse, mm-hmm. and have this crazy cowboys and Indians fight going on around them. How can we premise that? Uh, I like that a lot. Um, the next one was the most disturbing for me, or the most... <laughs> Meal uh, ticket? Is that the next one? Yeah, just the most kind of messed up, you know? It's really, it was really dark, funny. Man. It was super really dark. dark. It's, it's Liam Neeson in a really dark place, um, and his son, I believe it is, or something, who maybe has brother. No, who maybe knows? brother or son, yeah. who has no arms or legs, but he recites poetry and does speeches as a sideshow gig. And Liam Neeson's job is to drive him around to various gigs, and he makes money off of him. The scene where he goes in with the prostitute and, like, turns him around yeah. to, like, face the other way, I was, like, heartbroken at that. And yeah. then yeah. What it's, ends a rough, up, it's a rough one. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, what ends up happening at the end of that is even worse. Yeah. Where – But so well done. It's so it's well done. It's so it, it, well done. It's effective. Gosh. It's effective, but it's messed up. He goes mm-hmm. – Checks the checks the uh, he he stops his stagecoach near a bridge, picks up a rock, walks over to see how deep the fall is or whatever, and next thing you see is just him driving away in the uh, cart with his chicken, who which he found he found this chicken because they they stopped making a lot of money and yeah. they kept making less and less money, so he found a chicken that could do math. He buys the chicken and. Tosses his brother for the chicken. And that's the that's the the end. Yeah, you can see it coming, but and it's it's so so know. sad at the end. You're just like, no, don't. It's it's don't incredibly do this. yeah. It's incredibly literary. Everything in this this whole thing is very literary. You know, it it, mm-hmm. it feels like it's coming out of like a, a some sort of like a Shakespearean tragedy. Um, but this is the one that is super in that regard. Like it really, <laughs> really hits home on that front um but yeah it's 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 not as certainly lacks some of the humor of some of the other segments and and makes up for it with a lot of of darkness yes <laughs> it's really yeah it's a really dark bit but it's really well done and effective Absolutely. and it looks incredible i think that for me that was the segment that looked the best just the to me that one was photography the photography and stuff most I, I didn't I liked the fact that it was shot at night and stuff for most of the yeah, time. I enjoyed that. Sure. But I sure. the the sideshow stuff was giving me flashbacks to Parnassus and I could not like yeah, couldn't okay. handle the visions there. The I, I I'm okay with Parnassus, it's just Terry Gilliam is what gives me the shutters. Okay. Ne- next one was maybe my favorite one. And this is all Gold Canyon. About Tom Waits, an old bro. Yeah, Tom Waits is an old prospector who arrives at a mountain, and starts digging for gold. And I love Gold Rush stuff. I think that's mm-hmm. a, a great premise for some kind of series or movie or something. 
um, he's by himself and he starts sifting gold, the old school way too. And he does it a couple times and it's just super interesting. He's by himself mm-hmm. with this horse. He's talking to the gold. Talking to himself, <laughs> talking to the gold. It's it's a great premise. And so he keeps trying to find the hot spot of gold based on how much he sifts and how much comes out of each uh, dirt pile. And he finally fi- finds the where he thinks the lot of gold is. He gets really excited. He starts digging. He finds a giant gold nugget. And while he's in this giant hole... And a dude comes and immediately shoots him in the back, right when he <laughs> finds the gold. Um, but then they pull the old twisty, twisteroo again, and the guy jumps in the hole to claim the gold. And wait, Tom Waits isn't dead, and he murders the guy and takes back <laughs> his gold and rides away. It was awesome. I love that. I love. Yeah. I love that it's always what you least expect and. And within two minutes, they have two twists. Mm-hmm. Oh, shoots him yeah. in the back. Oh, he's not dead. Shoots him again, you know? Um, yeah. You thought for sure he was dead. He's an old guy. He got shot in the back. <laughs> right. It's like, that's what you get for not watching your back, dude. Right. And, right. and he gets his revenge and his joy when he's in the water. He's like, they didn't hit anything important. Like, realizing <laughs> that his, none of his organs were hit, you know? I love right. That, that part, right. too. Tom Waits is great. Like, great. Tom Waits is probably the most American treasure person who is not, we have not made an American treasure. And it's just because, like, I don't, I would have a hard time making a case for him beyond just saying, like, He's just really cool. Like if you if you put ten people in a room and they were all really cool people, and you just had like a lineup, and you had somebody come up to the you know the, the whatever the two way glass, and you just say, okay, who is the coolest person in this room? <laughs> that person is immediately like, oh, it's freaking, it's definitely that guy. That guy looks super awesome and cool, and he just has this coolness. He exudes this interestingness you know it's it's so it's so weird uh but i love i love him i love whenever he shows up in a movie because he just he does you know when he shows up i think we said this on the old man in the gun episode but you know when he shows up that he is there for a reason and it and he, he i don't know he always has and it's i don't know sometimes it's probably a paycheck but sometimes it's just you know you at least get the sense and maybe he's fooling me but fine, he's doing well if he is. But you always get the sense that he read this script and thought, "Yeah, I need to do that. I need to be a part of that because that's me. Like I belong in this this role or this this uh, you know, this movie or whatever." He's he's so cool, and that was a that was a fun it was a fun way to uh, to use him. And he's like the only person in that segment, basically, right up until the very end of it, which is cool. Wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and and he he always brings a lot of weight to what he does, and and it makes it makes it all that all the more better. Um, it's just the icing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll move on to the gal who got rattled. This, uh, uh, by the way, just on in terms of uh, Old Gold Canyon, that one was my favorite in terms of how it was shot. It was so beautiful, mm. the green hills, valley, streams all that it was uh so picturesque and i and i loved it they, they they're such good directors that you don't really ever catch on to their tendencies quite as often as you would like i comparing him to wes anderson just in terms of composition of shots and everything but it's so noticeable with wes anderson how he's such mm-hmm. an ocd about it so are they but they do it they mix it up so much that you don't ever 
say, well, this is way too structured. It, it looks way too perfect. You know, there's always something a little too perfect about Wes, how Wes Anderson shoots. Um, and some of their shots are just epically composed, but you wouldn't necessarily know why. You know, they're just so good. The natural, their natural way of shooting a scene and, and telling a story is 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 remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the girl, the gal who got rattled, this proved to me that the Oregon Trail needs to be a show. Man, it really does. <laughs> Doesn't this like if it was this exact vibe, and it was just like an anthology series, I would totally watch that. Man, yeah. there's so much stuff that can happen. And that's a part of American history that has not been explored in media nearly enough. And uh, this is, uh, I, I'm guessing, their kind of Oregon Trail uh, knockoff story. Mm-hmm. Guy dies of cholera immediately. <laughs> um, what did you think of this one? My favorite one. Easy, it was? By far. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, I, I loved, loved the, it. The ending scene was incredible. Yeah. I was, mm-hmm. I, and that is, it's the boy. It's. I almost say, almost said it's the most lighthearted, but it starts super not lighthearted. But um, it it to me it was the the kind of the the quintessential uh, Cohen where it it sets you up with with a little bit of hope and then just wrecks it right at the mm-hmm. end. And I, I I I thought it was to me it was by far the funniest of the segments. I was I giggled at a you know kind of chuckled at a lot of stuff throughout especially the the Buster Scruggs one but that one I was actually laughing the the incompetence of this this trail hand um but but he looks the part so you just kind of assume that he's going to be good at all these trail things and then he just like when he can't kill the dog I was I was yeah. laughing so hard and then the dog just keeps popping up um and it's really sweet and and touching in parts and then it ends on a real i mean that the uh the shootout sequence is really well done and and great action and looks awesome and the and the old trail hand is just he's like this is my this is my time this is what i do and that was awesome it's great great. and then it ends on such a bummer and it is to me that w- it was it was perfect. So no, that was that was my favorite one by far. I loved that segment. I was I was mm-hmm. dying throughout. I thought it was That was perfect. great. It was really really good. And yeah, pull the old twist again on you. This is just seven let's, we got to count the twists in this thing. It's got to be like 12. <laughs> and like it's one yeah. 2 hour movie. Uh-huh. It's crazy. Yeah. I love it. Uh the one in this one is basically she commits suicide at the end. Uh, I mean <laughs> You would think she would, the uh, the damsel in distress would um, survive ultimately, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, this is very Shakespearean tragedy of yeah, yeah it's the Romeo time. and Juliet where right. she dies without you know realizing it's a poisoned thing or whatever, yeah. right. um, totally. But where I thought they were going with that was when he, I guess it's uh, what's his name, uh, Nap. Yeah. Billy Knapp, when yeah. when he tries to marry her, it's like, hey, if we if we go to Oregon and we're married, we get twice the amount of land. Right. I thought where they were going with this was he was going to murder her like as soon as they got there <laughs> and take her land like as soon as they got on the property like, work here's your work here's done, yeah. shoot her right, right at the end. Right, that would be the most Cohen-y thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was wrong. So, all I right, just, the the, the <laughs> when the when prairie dog when, when dog, when he was. 
Yeah. Oh, and he hunts off the you, dog. And you hear the gunshot and then multiple gunshots after I was yeah. that was so funny to me. It was just such a well that was so so Cohen and, and oh I loved it. I loved it. Where uh at the end where and then during that shootout when all the horses are like falling in the prairie dog holes too. <laughs> dog got him. <laughs> that was crazy. That's just like I say, the reality of what those times were like is incredible mm-hmm. and um, needs to be explored. All right. The Mortal Remains, a.k.a. The Hateful Eight, part two. <laughs> right. What did you think of this one? Uh, no, it wasn't my favorite of the of the series. I I will confess I was it was like three o'clock in the morning by that time for me and I was pretty beat. Um, so it was I was I think I was <laughs> drifting a little bit here and there. I thought it was a fun setup. I'm not sure that the payoff was all that great as compared to some of the other payoffs that we had seen up to that point. Maybe to me, maybe more than anything, it suffers from um, being a little lesser than everything else we had just seen or most of it. Yeah, they definitely didn't save the best for last. Yeah, no, yeah, that that would that would be my complaint. If I if if that they it's it's almost like they they uh, they failed because of their previous success in some ways Mm -hmm. like it just was there was had been so much great cohen stuff and again that comes right after my favorite segment of the whole thing and so the payoff um by the time i got i was like eh, it was it was okay it was really it was in scene was really good it's just that the you know kind of the conclusion was not that not that great I agree. Something else I really admire about the Coens is they edit a lot of their own movies. Mm-hmm. And for me, as a producer, I have to edit the stuff that I think of and shoot and, and you know come up with. I can't. I, sure. I, I can't understand a lot of filmmakers. As you know, Steven Spielberg's had the same editor forever, and 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 Tarantino did too until she died, and now he has uh, Fred Raskin, I believe, who does. Fast and Furious and some other stuff has become kind of Tarantino's guy. But a lot of these directors have one person that they trust and one person only, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they do it themselves under the pseudonym Roderick Janes, and they've been nominated for Oscars <laughs> with, under Roderick Janes. They've been invited places and stuff. It, it is their uh, – it's their pseudonym for if they directed – I mean edited the movie. They didn't want to take credit for it, I right. guess. So right. it's uh, just a funny bit. But yeah. They're great editors too, man. They know every beat of this, storyboarded out, I'm sure. They're just they, they do it all. They write, direct, do everything. And um you know, Joel Bridge uh Jeff Bridges said it best when talking about the uh, the Big Lebowski that Joel and Ethan literally every uh yeah, you know, every uh right, and yeah right. and pause in the in the dude they wrote. It was mm-hmm. not him being the dude. Like they wrote the right. dude, you know, he just got to play him. And uh, and same with Fargo, you know the oh yeah, and all that mm-hmm. stuff was all them, and they're just so so versatile and creative. And this was a quintessential Cohen affair. So mm-hmm. if you've lasted this long and we spoiled the entire thing, I promise <laughs> you it's still worth it. Still worth watching. It's a great experience. It's on Netflix, and and go do that. But we'll probably talk Roma this year too if uh, mm-hmm. if it, yeah. if it calls for it. But I enjoyed talking about this. I love talking some Coens, man. What do they got coming up next? I don't guess they haven't announced anything yet. Probably. Yeah, they're always pretty uh-huh. secretive about what they're what they're doing. I know they've written something that's coming out. Where does this rank in your Cohen? Um, man, that's tough because 
Right. It's preemptive. probably not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably not anywhere close to the top five just because they've made so many. I mean, this is a really good movie, but it's hard to uh, it's hard to compete with No Country for Old Men and mm-hmm. Lewin Davis and Lebowski and Fargo and mm-hmm. Raising Arizona. Like that, those five for one hundred percent sure, I would have ahead of this, and then some of the others you could start. You start and obviously, like, um, a serious man, number one, for yeah. after reading. I like serious cool. man a lot. I do too. I like that movie, but it was. This funny is the no seeing... one ever talks about it. Michael yeah. Stuhlbarg is a is greatness. Great. He needs it. to be in everything. That, that may be my only complaint with this, uh, with this movie with, with, uh, Buster Scruggs is like, I just, there were so many. When you're doing a, when you're doing a segment based movie like that, I, I, in some ways, I really want to see Adam Driver in one of these movies. You know, I want to see Adam Driver in, in Cohen World, and I thought oh, yeah. man, it'd be pretty cool if, if Stuhlbarg showed up at some point in this this whole thing. It, it, I would have liked. I, I get why it wasn't that way. I'm not. I'm not begging for more star power in a in a Cohen Brothers movie. But there were when you have so many narratives and and stories, and they're done, sh- you know, in short form, like. Gosh, I just could. I walked away thinking of like, man, all the people that I would love to see um, exist in in this universe would be <laughs> be great. But they don't have anything uh, on their IMDb at this point. So who? I mean, they have projects in development, but you never know with them like what that actually means. You know, totally. All right, man. But, yeah. Where? What about for you? Where's? Is it? Is it? Uh, Coen Brothers? Is it top five? Is it? Man, it's right outside. Okay. I would go Fargo. Uh, no Country for Old Men, uh, Raising Arizona, Inside Lewin Davis, True Grit, and this, probably. Okay. That'd be my top six. Lebowski? So. Oh, yeah, Lebowski. Uh, See, it's hard. It's probably tough, top three. I mean, yeah, I can't sure. put anything ahead of Fargo or No Country mm-hmm. for Old Men. Right. Lebowski's such an outlier, though, because it's so out there. It's so different. than yeah. all their others are, are are more about the country or... Mm-hmm. you know old times or whatever and that's just such a random <laughs> movie yeah. uh it's just your yeah. opinion yeah man. i'd probably be i'd probably bump true grit for lebowski but uh yeah, but yeah definitely same here okay good times remember hell caesar by the way yeah hell caesar i was i was thinking about that today cuz i was i was trying to think when was the last time we talked besides we did lebowski on a throwback this year um but i i was like i guess it's been since Lewin Davis, I think we did an episode on Lewin Davis, and I totally forgot about Hell Caesar, and Hell Caesar's fun. That's a fun, that's a good yeah. movie that people completely missed on, but uh, but I forgot about it, so maybe it's not that good, you know? So, yeah. So, <laughs> so what's your grade here? What, what are we what I'm going to go, man, I'm going to go A plus with this. Nice. I, I want to go solid A, but even the stories that I didn't like, they're any other person makes those, they're A, A plus, mm, you know, sure, sure. as short films. So, A plus for me, everything I want in my Coens, I got. Nice. What about you? I go A. I, and I think it's, uh, I think it's really, I would be, it'll be in contention for my, for my top 10 of the year, for sure. I loved, we didn't mention, I love, I love the framework of jumping from story to story with the, uh, the book, with the, yeah. the book. I thought that was a, such a cool, um, interstitial I, yeah it, mm-hmm. it may not be all that unique it doesn't really matter to me but it, it worked it was a very effective method of of getting from from one story to the next with the the picture and the title pa- or, and mm-hmm. the uh you know the quote and everything was like really the cool. little uh paintings that they did of every yeah it was thing. awesome yeah. i, yeah, I was loved good. that it was a great touch i wonder if they sell that book 
like the Ballad of Buster Scruggs that like looks like that. They need to sell yeah. that. I'd buy yeah. it. Yeah, sure. Okay. So an A and an A plus for Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Cool. Nice. Well, thanks for joining us for this bonus conversation. We'll be back in the VIP. Uh, we released a Rain Man episode just now, and we'll have more to come there, as well as uh, we're talking Widows next week, I believe. What else is the movie? Uh, Creed Ralph? Two, baby. Oh, Creed, Creed two. 2. Yeah, Creed 2. Creed 2 and Widows next week, so it'll be good times. All right, join us then. See you at the time. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me die, yeah. Oh.